Hi, I'm Rick Hatchke. I'm Drew Steck. And this is the, the Internet's, Internet's Maximum Potential. Potential. I really like that song. It was a very good intro song. Normally, we I think we wait till like the lyrics come in or like the, the we vocals We cut it off in about 20, 30 seconds. We let this one run minute 08. Minute 08. It was a, it was a good song. Uh, Judy is a Dick Slap by Bell and Sebastian. Um, one of the many songs by Bell and Sebastian that they just decided to title uh, Weirdly. Which has nothing to do with the the context of the song. Oh yeah, yeah. I it makes me titter every time I hear it too, which is nice. So, titter, titter. It makes me titter. Very nice. Well, uh, Drew, big week. Uh, did you do anything of note the past few um, days? I. Uh, well, okay. I so. like that I said big week. <laughs> oh man, Drew, big week. Uh, so what did you do? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know it was you. I mean, I, I'm depending on you to have a pad of big week. But remember, what did you do? What did you, you do? Um, well, um, today was fun. I went to uh, the mall, and uh, I, I went there to uh, buy a new pair of sunglasses and also get my computer fixed at the Apple store. And, uh, so I go into Sunglasses Hut, and everything there is ridiculously expensive. They don't sell, like, I don't know, like, $15, $20, like, gas station sunglasses like most humans wear. Sure. And, uh, I really want a pair of Ray-Ban Wayfarers, but I've decided I'm probably going to buy them on the internet, just because it's much cheaper to buy anything on the internet, and because of the overstock fees, and, you know, it's... It's a good place. So, the internet. It's a good place, the internet. We recommend it. Um, one of our picks of the week. Website, or place to go this week. The, the internet. internet. So, uh, anyway, but I wanted to see how they'd look on my face, these more expensive sunglasses. <laughs> that is a vital component of sunglasses. I wanted to see how they'd look on my face, but I didn't want to buy them necessarily. Yeah. So, I went in there to kind of just check them out to make sure that they look okay before I, you know, invest like 60 bucks or 70 bucks in like a really nice pair of sunglasses that really is like $140, $150, but I'm um, getting it for cheaper, but at the same time, you know, also getting the experience of trying it on in the store, which was nice. The validation of knowing that they'll look good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without, you know, spending that money and then being like, oh, crap, now I've got these sunglasses. And so, anyway, I went in and I try them on and she's really trying to sell me hard on like the faded sunglasses look where it's like kind of tinted at the top and less tinted at the bottom. <laughs> so I look like Jennifer Lopez or like a, I don't know what I look like, but I did not like it at all. And she, she was trying very hard to get me to buy them. She was just like, I really like the fade. I like the fade a lot. And I was like, that is a very effective selling method. I like this. I like it a lot. <laughs> so she's pushed it pretty hard on me. She's like, I think they look better. I was like, I like it. I like I like the way these things look. I think they look better. I better them a lot. Um, so she just keeps doing this, and I was like, "No, well, you know what? You're fostering me. Like, I can't. Like, I can't." Did you say this? I said, "I'm you're fostering." <laughs> I can't me. concentrate. Ah, my sunglasses. <laughs> you're fostering me. So I go to. Uh, so I'm like, you know what? I I like the the plain ones, just the ones without the fade. And she's like, well, maybe you can get both of them. One, you got to have your fade day and your non-fade day. I was like, I don't want a fade day. <laughs> you so, know, one of those days where things aren't going your way and you just need to sort of fade out. Let the world encompass itself. Just fade. Just fade. So I was like, that. we're, we're, we're coming up with the sunglasses so, advertising campaign just, right here. Just fade. Just fade. Ray-Bans. So what did you do? Fade. So I was like... You know what? I'm going to walk around the mall and think about this for a bit. And then I'll come back. 
And I never came it's back. Like, it's like in a relationship. You just had a big fight. You're like, you know what? I need to cool off for five minutes. Just let me get my head straight up about these sunglasses. Uh, yeah, just I'm going to walk around. I'm going to think about it. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to have an answer for you. And I never came back. So now tonight she's going to be talking with the kiosk manager. Like, he said he'd come back. What does that mean? And he's probably a gay guy who gives her advice not only about <laughs> sunglasses, but about relationships as well. Oh, that's, well, yeah. It's a very similar process, actually, being in a relationship with a woman and buying a pair of sunglasses, um, coincidentally, are, are very similar processes. Here's my problem, Drew. I can't wear sunglasses. You can't? My ears can't really tell looking at me, but my ears are uneven. Our, our viewers can't tell. Well, I was... <laughs> they look at the picture that we put up on, on the blog... And uh, they just, you know, even this uh, close examination there, they wouldn't be able to tell, but my ears are uneven. So yeah. anytime I have a pair of sunglasses on, they're crooked on my <laughs> face, and I look like an idiot. Just like I just got out of a street fight. <laughs> I think my, <laughs> where my, I was punched in the face while wearing I glasses. have a similar problem, but it's not as severe to where my, you know, they're not as crooked on my face. But definitely, I know what you're talking about, where it's just like... Very odd how it's not at, like, like yeah, you just you do you can't wear them because you know you'd like to have your eyes protected from the sun, but at the same time you don't want to look like a complete idiot. So so, but you you're still able to wear sunglasses. That's the vital part about it. Even though even though it might be slightly off for you with me, Drew, it's like I didn't realize that my ears were not proportional. In fact, they were diagonal from each other. <laughs> it's a clear like stripe across my face. Going at a downward slope. Probably about 45 to 50 degrees. Exactly. It's it's less than a right angle. Uh, it's, it's, what is that? Is it, I 90 can't... degrees is a right angle. So Right, it's... right angle. What's less than 90 degrees, Drew? Like... Obtuse is larger, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'd be, um... I was never good at geometry, but... I want to uh... say isotope, but that's a nuclear term. <laughs> We'll say an isotope triangle. It's an isotope triangle, yeah. The, the one where the two sides are the same, and then the, the one is... <sighs> this is a thrilling mathematical discussion. You know, but you but know the, what? the point of it is... You know what I wish I had right now, Drew? I wish I had the first season of Numbers on DVD, because <laughs> I'm sure they bring it up on there. It was a good show, Numbers. That's, that was my math homework for the night. I'd just sit <laughs> down and watch some Numbers. It was good times. Uh, I, was too, I was too old. By the, the time numbers was on, I was out of school. And they then when science rolled sun. around, I uh, watched some. Uh, I watched some uh, bones. So. Very very intelligent shows. Uh, right now we're at the uh, lake house pavilion, and uh, we are surrounded by the aroma of rocky rococos. Drew picked some up on the way uh, when he was busy picking up sunglasses. When I was when I was flustered uh, to, <laughs> to unwind, I went and got myself some rocky rococos for lunch. And it is just, it's just delicious. It's I, sitting over there and it's tempting me. The best pizza, hands down, and it is a shame that the world over is not exposed to Rocky Rococo's. I'm guessing that the company's not doing very well, too, because they don't, like, really update their facilities all that much or, you know, don't have the big kind of advertising dollars that other fast food chains do. But... Rocky Rococo is one of the key elements to uh, the in-store aesthetic is that they have um, mock movie advertisements, which... Um, 
feature their mascot. Feature Rocky Rococo, and usually are some sort of pun on uh... current like movies that are big right now, or you know, um, blockbuster hits like The Matrix. Would be the, the Matrix. It incorporates a pizza sort of element. And him holding two pizzas, wearing you know Morpheus sunglasses and a <laughs> trench coat, but also still wearing his like fedora and his mustache. Yeah, we you, we should explain. He is always wearing a uh, fedora and a mustache. Yeah, that is that is the look of Rocky Rococo. And sunglasses all the time. And uh, just the best pizza though. You know, it's it's a sal- you get you get yourself a super slice. Uh, just a regular, regular slice, slice, just good pizza. The breadsticks are addictive. You always got to get two. You get one, you wish you got two. You get two, you wish you got three. You really do. I mean, it's 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 this side of cocaine. It really is. Going off on a di- different direction, you just use the word addictive. And I am very glad that you use the word addictive. Why are you glad that I use the word addictive, Rick? For some reason... I don't. I, I'm. I'm sort of a stickler at times about the English language, but I don't really cringe about it. I just sort of, oh, that guy said something wrong. But when I hear people use the term addicting, not addictive, but oh man, I've been playing this video game for twenty hours. It's so addicting. It ah, uh, like even though I, it's technically you can use a, the term addicting. addicting? Yeah. It's not supposed to be the word that you use. It's addictive. That is mm-hmm. that is the word. Use it and uh, it just like for some reason that addicting that word just like I don't know what it is, but it, like it feels like <laughs> a like an eel is swimming around in my skin. Like whenever I hear, whenever hear addicting. addicting. Addic- addicting? addicting. It kind of sounds like addicting, so so I can see why it just doesn't. It's not a very fun word to say. Addicting. No, I. Uh, I like and, addictive. And here's the thing: Lee always has used the term addictive. And one time I brought this up to her. How about how about how I was so happy that I was with a girl who used the word addictive. <laughs> that that is the number one reason. The rest of the reasons fall. Well, I mean, yeah, we we've got our problems, but I mean, she uses addictive, so we're we're cool. No. <laughs> Um, but after I brought this up, um, I brought up how I, I hated addicting. Yeah. And I think that that word entered her lexicon <laughs> based on me, um, bringing it up. Despising and so, it. And so now, a few times, she's accidentally said addicting, well, she, where she had never said it before over the co- course of four years, and I, I fully regret bringing up <laughs> how much I love addictive. But what if she... And I'm start- sure later on this program, somewhere in the series run... You'll accidentally use the term addicting, and I'll know that it's my fault, and I shouldn't have even gone on this tangent. Are you sure that, but what, I think it's better that you brought it up and now she's using it, because then you've already given her the talk. That's true. Whereas if she should have, would have started, like, sneaking it into her vocabulary, <laughs> uh, and it would have become this, like, rift between you two, it was like, it was we'd like, have to have a sit down. We're different people now. You'd have to have, like, an intervention right there. <laughs> But in the beginning, get, get her high school English teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Lee, we're worried. We're worried about your use of the English language. Ah, oh, man, I. It could be on that show, Intervention. Yeah, yeah. We will get around. The, first of all, we'll pretend. We'll, we'll like convince the producers that you know she's a hard drinker or something. So they'll come out, mm-hmm. and then we'll do the old bait and switch. We're gonna nail A and E. 
be like, bam, it's not about that at all. It's, it's really, about words. It's about words. And even a word that most people wouldn't consider to be that bad of a... It's technically a correct English word, but at the same time, it's just not correct. It's not fully correct. I can't wait until we pull this on a and &E. A and E's got it coming. Oh, yeah. They've been so highfalutin. For too long. With they've their been, biographies. And their secondhand, like their... They're kind of the History Channel kind of beats the crap out of A and E. I think. I think A and E is like one With of their the dog, the bounty hunter. <laughs> a and E original programming. Oh, uh, I do like their biographies though. Those are good. Well, well, now that's been relocated though to the Biography Channel. So A and E doesn't even have a single thing in its favor right now. Mm -mm. Because they did that, that's why I'm doing this. Um, I didn't have a reason, now I have a reason. We're going to take some time out right now to uh, hype on one of our sponsors for the show. Um, the A&E channel <laughs> is currently running a marathon of its finest programming, including Intervention and Dog the Bounty Hunter. And uh, it's on Time Warner Cable, channel 40-something. Um, I just can't... I can't a &E. I can't get enough of that dog, Rick. <laughs> Him and his hair. <laughs> and his bounty hunting. <laughs> And his ridiculous white trash family. Have you heard, have you watched the show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love the song where it's, I'm the dog, <laughs> the big bad dog, the bounty hunter. It's like, I added that. At the end. <laughs> but I think they like hired like a guy who has no history in like hard rock at all to write like a hard rock intro theme song, but he's like, Really, like a guy who does one of those like car dealer <laughs> shit, like commercials, like come on down to Massey Toyota. Like I feel like he's that guy, <laughs> but they hired him to write this this intro song for uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter, and he just he I mean, he must use Dog the Bounty Hunter or the word Dog like eight or eight or nine times in the intro. Um, in case you weren't able to tell at home, uh, we haven't been delaying the intro of a guest. We are currently guestless. We should do program. that sometime. We should pretend like there's nobody else here. We should go like 35 minutes and then for like the last 25 bring in a guest. But they only get really 15 by the time we get around to recommendations. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. I think we should do that sometime. Just to, just to fool with everybody. Pull the old bait and switch on the listener. I'm just bait and switching today. I'm I'm fed up with the world. First A and E, now the listener. Who <laughs> knows what's next, Drew? Sunglasses hot. That's who's next. Go back, go back. <laughs> I'm gonna buy the fades, but I don't have any money. And then you steal them, and that's the it's a variation on bait or, and switching, <laughs> stealing things, pretending you have money and stealing them. I was gonna say maybe I could just go and say I want the fades, and then like when I pull out my money, it'll be Monopoly money, and I'll be like, wait, you don't. You don't accept this. You don't accept Monopoly money here, and just kind of like play it off, like I'm totally serious that I want to pay with Monopoly money. Here's what you do, Drew, and then just start crying and be like, "My money's no good. My money is no good." You punch her in the face. <laughs> then you go to the bank, punch a guy in the <laughs> face, end the trip, go to Best Buy, ask about HDTV, ask about the new digital converter box. When you're gonna have to get that in 2009. As the guy's explaining it, pow! Right, right in, in the, the kisser. Yeah. In the kisser. I think it sounds like bring a good it to the, Bring the punch trifecta to the Midwest. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, bringing it, I'm bringing it 2,000 miles east. <laughs> it's the, <laughs> the punch trifecta <laughs> tour. <laughs> punch across America. <laughs> <laughs> we, should have, we should have celebrities do a video where you know, they've got the headphones on with the yeah, hand yeah. up to it. We're punching across America. America. 
We'll get we'll get throwing fists and faces. It's we'll make it for like I don't know what's like multiple scler- sclerosis some like disease where they can't lift their arms to like fight. We'll call it punching for punching for the kids or. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can get Dan Aykroyd. That's <laughs> I don't know. That's just a name that seems like he'd be willing to do it. Punching for the kids or. Uh, a punch across America. Punch across America. Who's a who's a celebrity who beats their children? Ah, oh, so many. Um, I don't know. Probably, I don't know. We could get like, Alec Baldwin verbally abuses. Yeah, Baldwin, and he's like, and he seems like a cool guy. Other than that, though, so we'll, we'll get Baldwin. We'll get Baldwin to do it. He'd be like, I used to beat my children. Now I'm beating for my children. <laughs> punch across America. We're punching across America. Alright. Punching kids in the faces. Kids get them right in the kisser. In a hundred different places. <laughs> They'll need reconstructive surgery. On the mouths and on their eyes. See, we've sort of, we've changed the objective of Punch Across America. It used to be you just punch clerks. <laughs> now it's punching children. That's. <laughs> we can get VH1 to sponsor. I was inspired us. by M. Night Shyamalan's uh, The Happening, where he <laughs> where he shotgun punches kids <laughs> in the face and the stomach. Oh, so terrible! Wow. Um, I thought uh, it would be an appropriate show to bring up the sporting events of the past few weeks in the um, NBA. The NBA Finals. Yeah, the NBA Finals. The Boston Celtics defeated the Los Angeles Lakers. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> All the, you know, those two years where Los Angeles won, but the rest of the NBA Finals series, the Boston Celtics have won. Yeah, it was about time. I was fed up. Um, I was very happy to see the Lakers get their comeuppance. Um, in 2004, I was rooting for Detroit when Detroit kicked their butts in the finals. And then um, in the final game, uh, game six of the series between the Lakers and the Celtics, it was like, a, what was the final? They, they, the Lakers were blown out. It was like 30 points. 35, 40 points, yeah. somewhere in that range. Yeah, they were shooting up for 40 points, and they, they got there a couple of times. Just an awful game, but it, like it was over at the start of the fourth quarter. Yeah, you exactly. knew it was so. Like they kept showing the Celtics bench where like everybody was standing because they're like, "Holy crap, we're about to win the championship! Let's yeah. just party for the next twelve minutes." Yeah, exactly. And uh, like they had the bench mic'd, and it was one of those things where like guys were just swearing up and down. They're like, we're beating these mother. And then, like, the ABC, the audio would drop out. Drop out for, like, a good, like, ten seconds and then come back. It was, oh, it was, it was very, for a game that was a blowout, for some reason, I give credit to ABC's producers, because they kept the game visually and, and just interesting to watch, even though it was a total blowout. But, after the game, the best post-game interview of all time. I've ever seen. I really have never seen a better post-game interview. Uh, Michelle Tafoya. Who's not very attractive, but not a very good reporter, so it's hard to understand necessarily why she's working for you. Like ABC ESPN, Sports. like they either have like a really like attractive girl on the sidelines or someone who isn't very attractive but is a good reporter. Good reporter yeah, yeah. And uh, she's sort of in no man's land because yeah. she's a little bit of a uh, little neither. bit of both. She kind of yeah, just looks like <laughs> she's really good looking and she's a really good reporter. She's, 
I guess someone so, she's screwing somebody. That's pretty much what's happening. <laughs> um, she talked. She went up to uh, NBA superstar Kevin Garnett after the game, the and, leader of the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. And gave one of the best uh, post game interviews. She she asked Kevin. Um, he was obviously in an odd state of mind. He's kind of yelling and having a good time, and she tries to pull him over to, for this interview. And uh, he's got it. He has the championship hat on. And he keeps. Keeping the, his head down so you're not able to see his face for the majority of the interview. Yeah, no. And so she she asked him a question along the lines of, um, you know... How does it feel, Kevin? Well, well, what does this championship mean not only to you, but to the fans of the Boston Celtics? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he starts mumbling something. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, anything's possible. Lifts up his head and throws <laughs> it back as if he was like a Spartan warrior and yells... Anything's possible, <laughs> and he just and then he, he just like <clears throat> and everybody just like there's like shouts of like cheers after he yells anything's possible, and then there's just like ha ah! like the crowd like cheers even louder. Tafoya, not phased by this, trying to bring it back in. She rephrases the question and asks him essentially, Kevin, how do you feel? Yeah. And to which he goes, Drew, you take, you get this, get Garnett. Which one? Which uh, one is this? The the top of the world. Oh, okay. He goes, he goes. I'm at, I'm on, I'm on top of the world, Michelle. I'm on top of the world. <laughs> Finally, not done with the interview yet. Michelle DeFoya <laughs> decides that she needs to ask him one more time. Any other respectable journalist would have walked away at this point like, and said, like, okay. thanks, Kevin. Have a great night. I'll get one of the other superstars. Yeah, exactly. There's there's Paul Pierce and Rayon are both available for wonderful interviews. Scott Pollard's there. Very, very literate gentlemen at this point who are... Who, Ray, I think, was just like... He was standing, like, walking around. Right Ray was just sort of like, all right, we won. Yeah. He was just there. It was like, you could have just gone over to him and he probably would have given you a very literate, you know, like, well-thought-out, well-phrased answer. But instead, she decides to keep this going. And decides to ask him, Kevin, in essentially the same question, uh, how do you feel about the championship? <laughs> to which he says, a long rambling answer, mumbling again, and he finally goes, certified, certified. You look good tonight, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> and then he proceeds to hit on Michelle to <laughs> And that's... That's when she decides, all right, interview's over. Interview's over. Oh, I, I've Clearly had, I've, he's not in the right frame of mind. I've yet. had enough. She at least acknowledges that she's not good looking, I guess. <laughs> so I give her credit for that, yeah. yeah. No. So, um, yeah. But uh, in the weeks after after the finals, um, that, was, that took place the night of episode six. Yeah. Um, we haven't had a chance to talk about it because we've had guests and such. Yeah, guests and, yeah, just... Uh, it becomes funnier and funnier now that I think back to it. Just because it was so like obscene at the time it was happening. It was just like, one of those things in the moment, like watching it, you can believe it. But watching it out of context, it's just so, so much funnier even just to watch it. Because it's so crazy how insane he's acting on camera. How he's making absolutely no sense. <laughs> and then just deciding to yell whatever the last thing he said was. Um, the NBA draft was uh, last week. And the Bucks made a very big trade. Did you hear about this, Drew? Yeah, yeah. They traded E and uh, Bobby Simmons to the New Jersey Nets. Keith Van Horn was not involved, but they traded. I thought it was gonna happen. I, I saw thought they were bringing him back when I saw Nets Bucks trade. I thought it was going down. Um, they brought in Richard Jefferson, who 
in my opinion, looks very similar to Jason Taylor of yeah, the Miami it, Dolphins. He looks very similar. But the huge news is that E is gone. The guy that they courted all of last year, uh, you know, the Chinese superstar. Yeah. He didn't want to come to the Bucks. They finally convinced him. Plays one year, is out for the majority of the season at exactly. the end, and uh, he's gone. I kind of saw that coming in the sense that I think they were probably like, you know what, if you want to come play for us for a year and then we'll trade you, um, we just don't want to make this a wasted draft pick, you know, like type of thing. And so he probably was like, all right, you know, sure. To, now, I have a bit of a different perspective on this, having having been a mole in the organization. Part of, part of the organization. Uh, I, I, I was the mole. Uh, I was the reason why they had a bad season. No. I thought that E and Bogut were like the two untouchables that they would not trade. Because with E, well, he's I thought not, they were going to trade Michael Red. I, 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 I still think they will trade Michael Red. Um, but with E, he might not be the best player, but he brings in so many people viewing it from China. He, bring, he brought in so many Chinese fans. I can't tell you how many times I was on the phone for an E night where you know, it was the Chinese Milwaukee community... Of which you don't really know there is one, one, but they came out of the crack. Seriously, they were like they were coming out like full fledged for E, and also the advertising revenue uh, that he generated with because uh, he's a sensation over in China, even more so than uh, he's he's on par. He's like the new Yao there. But I heard that well, Yao's not as big with like the government over in China as well. I've heard that Yao kind of disowned the government in the sense that like he. Like he still plays for the national team and whatever, but he doesn't he doesn't want to be as involved with that. Whereas yeah, Yi's more of an ambassador, I think, from China. Exactly. And they've kind of groomed him more to send him over here, so that's why he's getting a little bit more press too. But I was stunned because companies, um, like local companies, when they were buying uh, advertising dollars, they were spending their advertising dollars with the bucks. They were being very clever, and since the games are being broadcast in China with the billboard um, signs. They would have, you know, like Company A, and then in Chinese characters underneath, it would be talking about the company. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that that was a really brilliant move and something that had a lot of potential for growth. Yeah. And um, he's gone. He's gone. He's he's later. I am I am proud to say though that um, Lee was able to compare her height to E in person. In person. Nice. Yeah, we were at the Bucks uh, Christmas party. And uh, our holiday party because you can't say. Is this, say is this before you got? Uh, is this before uh, Keith? Man, is, this, <laughs> is this before uh, they let you go? Rick? <laughs> before Keith Van Horn pulled you over and was like, "Hey, well, Rick." Yeah. Well, play? that was at the end of the season. That, okay. That was the end of the season banquet. <laughs> uh, that's what, how we established it in the first episode, at least. Um, no, we were at uh, the Christmas party. Keith Van Horn was there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, Drew. That was a different banquet. I just, I always wish that Keith Van Horn was there. He may not be there, but I always I, I'm, I'm, wish. I'm, thing, I think by saying that. I'm not going to embellish this story by saying that Keith Van Horn was there. We owe it to the listener <laughs> to be honest, Drew. Okay. So, just this once. Um, Lee and I were at the Christmas party, and uh, we, first of all, we sat down at a, a table for the meal, and uh, we sat down. It was just us at the table, and then um, one of my bosses and her husband sat down with us. So mm-hmm. four of the eight seats at the table We're are taken. filled. Yeah, these two very one of them very attractive, the other one you know just a, you wouldn't recognize her necessarily as anyone of general significance. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
They come over and a those girl. They, they <laughs> one of them is a girl. The other is a those girl. Um, they come over and ask, "Hey, are these are these seats taken?" And it's like, "No, you can feel free to sit here." Turns out they're players' wives. Oh, okay. They, uh, the uh, Desmond Mason's wife okay. and Michael Red's wife. Which one is those girl? We're not going to distinguish. Well. I'll be honest, Desmond Mason's wife is a very beautiful woman. Yes. And she is. She and Desmond Mason are, like, a really nice couple. Like, they, basically, they, like, started going out in, in, in college, and they've been together ever since. So, I give them a lot of credit. I think it's very easy for a superstar. Is this all stuff that you learned while yeah. sitting at the table with Yeah. Them? Because Desmond Mason is perhaps one of the nicest people I've ever met in, in my life. Just generally very nice. Like, he was cracking jokes and... Michael Red was nice too, but he was like a little more reserved. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting next to him, looking at like his thirty thousand dollar watch and everything. <laughs> but uh, Desmond Mason, like they had um, one of the options for the the meal was uh, semi boneless chicken. And Desmond Mason is like semi boneless. Either it has bones or it's boneless. <laughs> there, there isn't such a thing as semi boneless. Maybe it's like maybe you get like maybe you order it and maybe you'll get boneless and maybe you won't get boneless. But uh, as we were leaving, so we we had like a meal with them for like two hours. Yeah, yeah. And as we were leaving, we realized, oh, E is standing is has been sitting at the table literally right, right behind, behind us. It, yeah. And so as Lee's getting up, um, for some reason, like somebody came over to shake hands with E, so he stood up uh-huh. to to shake the guy's hand. So for a brief moment, we got to see. The comparison between, between E and Lee, and E is a giant. Yeah, he's and he's and he's like skinny too. He's and like he's, seven yeah. foot one, seven foot two. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's like he's one of the tallest men in the world, isn't he? Uh, I wouldn't. I, I don't want to go that that far. Is he not? There is. I a, think you're I think thinking of oh, George Murison. Oh, okay. <laughs> Star of My Giant with Billy Crystal and former Washington Bullets player. No, I think there. I think I don't no. know if he, he is, but there might be. I think the new tallest man in the world is from China. Yeah, there. That guy is from China, the so. the one who like saved the dolphins by reaching it. You heard about that, right? He had like he has these giant that. arms, and a dolphin apparently was like choking on a piece of plastic. Yeah. At at the, the like China Zoo yeah. in Beijing, I believe. China Sea World. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And they brought him, like, he was there, he just happened to be there, and he reached into the, the dolphin's throat and pulled out this piece of plastic, <laughs> which is just like, damn it, out of all the days to have been there, I wish I was in China at their zoo. At, at Chinese Sea World, like, he's there. Can you imagine seeing that? The tallest, one of the tallest men in the world, if it's not It's okay, I've got super long arms. <laughs> he's like a superhero, he's just like there, he's like, all about, sure. <laughs> We need your arms. <laughs> Arm man. Ah, <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, E is gone, but the they've got Richard Jefferson, and they also drafted a guy from uh, West Virginia, who was born, uh, I believe, in, in Taiwan, and speak. He's he's American. He's mm-hmm. a white guy, but he he speaks Chinese, so. It's like, oh man, like you wish they could have just played together for like one season, one season and like where bonded. Where it's like maybe doing like buddy cop commercials with the two of them. Like, <laughs> in Chinese. In Chinese. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I thought oh. it'd be fun. But no, yeah, I just... And the, the thing is that they're both small forwards. Yeah. So it's like our team has just decided to The Bucks acquire up. a small forward in Richard Jefferson 
and then pick Joe Alexander, a small forward out of out of West Virginia. So I don't know what. Maybe they're just going to try and play with three small forwards now. I, I, for me, it's a bit liberating talking about the team because when I when I was working when I was working for them, um, you couldn't really ever admit that they were not very good at times, <laughs> and so. You know, like, people on the phone trying to sell them tickets, uh, they're playing like crap right now. You always had to sort of be positive. And, uh, you know, it's it was a fine organization to work for. I just happened I wouldn't to work. say crap, sir. I, I, I happened to work for them during a down year, I think. I'd say they're playing like... <coughs> I don't know, some, like, better way to rephrase crap. Crud! <laughs> <laughs> oh, if they're playing like crud, I'll take $30,000 worth of tickets. You know, that's how much Michael Red's watch costs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, what my obsession today is with the number 30000 It's a very conveniently priced number, $30,000. <laughs> very flat rate. Um, this week, uh, this weekend, I went on Saturday night to the Time Cinema. I'm very reluctant to go to the Time Cinema ever since uh, the Levens are no longer in charge of it. Um, have you ever been to the Times, Drew? Mm-hmm. Once, um, as, as you're preoccupied chewing on ice cubes. I like to chew ice cubes. Uh, the Times, for me, was like a sanctuary. Um, it, it was like my only ever hangout place. Uh, I went to the midnight movies in high school and... Uh, sanctuary of cinema. <laughs> one of the things that Lee sort of, and I got along about was that we both loved the Times... That was one of the first like wonderful points, wonderful elements that I found out then, about her. And she says addictive. Then at the time she hadn't said addicting, so I thought she was she was That's wonderful. a keeper right there. Yeah. Um, but uh, the times were unfortunately bought out by uh, a guy who named Larry Wyden, who also purchased the Rosebud Cinema, and he's basically transformed it from like the best theater in the state to just lousy. I just I, I don't I don't like the direction. It's I haven't gone. been lately. What what has he done with it to like, drive it into the ground? Like uh, he got um, digital projection there, and so oh, no. instead of what one of the coolest things about the midnight movies at the times was that you were watching a film print. So when I saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure, I was watching a film print of it. Oh, when yeah. I saw you know from dusk till dawn it was a film print and digital uh, projectors have a, have their place in time i just don't know in a, in, a, in a theater like the time cinema or even in the rosebud i don't know that a digital projector is the way to go but here's the thing they're not showing when they have the midnight movies now they're showing a dvd of something and projecting that which i don't understand how that's legal because at the beginning of every DVD, as we know, we get the FBI warning how it's legal for public exhibition of it. Yeah, that, that, that's part of my DVD pick of the week, <coughs> Be Kind Rewind. Oh, I thought you were going to say the, uh, the warning screen. <laughs> before, any, before any film, the warning screen is your pick of the week. <laughs> that's, yeah, no. We go it through. Just read it. It's really fun. It's really fun to read. So Break it down. Break pop, it down. It, pop in any film. And watch the warning screen, and sometimes they're red or green or blue, and have a ball. But uh, I went, I went back to the Times, even though I'm very reluctant. I don't like supporting Larry Wyden, um, but they had this thing called the Found Footage Festival. Have you heard of this, Drew? No. It's two guys. They're from Wisconsin, but they tour around the country, and basically they collect like training videos and uh, public access things and. 
just all sorts of like weird random videos and so uh, kind of on like the same level as like the movie orgy where it's like kind of but like we're all under consent where the the movie orgy was done um sort of collecting mainstream things Uh here it's sort of like obscure obscure like i didn't know that tracy lords released an exercise video (laughs) in the late 80s like stuff like that and uh However, it's not done with their consent, but they still have put it out on uh, on DVD. But it was a really fun time. I uh, I purchased. They have um, two DVDs, and the third DVD of the show that I saw will be coming out in about a month. And uh, it was a lot of fun. My favorite clip probably was they found this video from um, a tag team, a wrestling tag team in like a Memphis independent league. <laughs> and uh, they it was the video that that is played every time before they come out to the ring. And it consisted of them shirtless, like, <laughs> doing, like, moves, like, in, like synchronized moves. And, uh, and then, like, at one point they're wearing, like, a band outfit, but they're, like, you know, like a high school band outfit yeah, with yeah. a gold stripe down the pant leg. But they're still shirtless, <laughs> and they're still doing these moves. Then they're, they're taking baths individually, but they're, like, in a big bubble bath. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, then it's them like robes, like reading a magazine. And, and uh, the great thing was these guys, the two that put it on, they also do a bit of a mystery science here, three thousand. But they sort of let the video speak for itself for the most part. But as this was going on, it's like, what is the point of this video? Are they trying to intimidate their opponents with their prettiness? <laughs> are they trying to do? Are they trying to seduce their opponents with their gayness? The weird thing is, though, uh, one of the guys. That is the co-host. Looks kind of like if Brad Gage had thin, uh, waspy hair, <laughs> but he had the exact voice of David Cross, like same speech pattern exactly. And it was weird because like I closed my eyes and it's like, it, yeah, it's David Cross. Like, well, I'm watching David Cross right now. That's odd. That's really funny. But uh, I watched. I picked up their first two DVDs at the show, and I watched the first one last night. And uh, it does feature a video which I own. Called um, Corey Haim, me, myself, and I. Um, basically, after Corey Haim was put into rehab in the late '80s, when he when he got out, um, he decided to put out a video for his fans, and the result of it is the strangest thing you'll ever see. <laughs> where it's like it's it's like him talking about just sort of whatever comes into his head. And then they, they do this weird thing where they're, like, filming the camera crew, filming him talking, and then shots of him playing hockey. <laughs> and uh, I, I sometime I'll show it to you, Drew. Uh, it sounds wonderful. Tom was the one who told me about it. He heard about it. And uh, I was the one who did the legwork and tracked it down, and I own a copy of Corey Haim, Me, Myself, and I. It sounds pretty fun. <laughs> Shots of him playing hockey. He's like, you know, like, for me, kissing is like that feeling, like, when, uh, like, you get that feeling of, like, dolphins just, like, running up and down your skin, and for me, it all comes back to love. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just the most illogical, but I think that, unconsciously, I sort of made a Corey Haim reference earlier when I said that, uh... The word addicting is like eels running through my skin. I think that was... And, but what it comes back to, Drew, is love. Is love. Oh. Yeah, no, and I just got flustered and wanted to walk around the mall. And I just felt like, you know, a gorilla was just chasing me. Just 
running after me. Sunglasses gorilla. But what did it come back to? But what it comes to back to is love. <laughs> oh, Corey Haim. Why can't there be more? I wanted to take this time um, to get stack decked, Drew. I think you should stack deck me for a prediction I made about the film Get Smart. Get Smart. And the film The Love Guru. What about Stack The Love Guru? The Love Guru is turning out to be a box office flop. Flop, yes. Whereas my prediction was that it would beat out Get Smart, Get Smart yeah. which has become a box office hit. Rick did not believe in the people of America and believed that they would rather go see what what was presumed to be Austin Powers 4. I thought that America's taste was in the awful and not something that looked like it would be Halfway entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, well produced, I guess, popcorn type content is what you could call it. Yeah. Or Hollywood content, which is what I think Get Smart was. And then Love Guru, which is kind of just beating the same old Austin Powers Bush, um, which I'm sure there's a, a Mike Myers joke in there somewhere, beating the Bush. Uh, which he's not doing is uh, the rumors are he's gay. Yeah. You like that? You like that? I got, I got a little bit you of a You brought, brought it around, yeah. Um, but anyway, so Rick thought the Love Guru would do very well and be this big box office hit, but it was not. It turns out America said no. We do not want any more, Mister 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 Myers. Thank you, and uh, yeah, made almost fifty million dollars or fifty mil. And, and I predicted that fifty-five million would be the total box office. Total box office. Smart. Smart. I was really going all out predicting flop on this one. Yeah, no, and he, you went, you put all cards in on uh, deal or no deal. You said no deal, and uh, the banker got me. Drew Steck, the banker, got me. Oh. You heard it here first. That's uh, that's my new role uh, in the fall. I'm going to uh, be the banker. How, I'm hoping it's a you're jump. replacing the guy. I'm hoping <laughs> it's my jump, a jump start for my. He's moving on to bigger and better things. Uh, he's gonna. Play, he got a job at Northwestern Mutual. He's gonna play a bunch of more evil characters uh, in films where he's you know S- you can't see his face. Yes, <laughs> silhouetted characters. Um, I don't know. I there just, is a market for that, like Claw from. Uh, uh, Inspector Gadget, where you never see his face, just as a claw. He has to get a prosthetic for that one. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting. So anyway, but I'm hoping it jumpstarts my career. So I want to be like a goofy banker though. Like all you see is my silhouette, but I'm kind of goofy at the same time. Like my silhouetted motions are kind of funny. Like for some reason you're playing that game with the where the ball's attached to a paddle, paddle. and it's bouncing up <laughs> yeah, and down. Exactly. Maybe that, maybe that, maybe... That goofy, that goofy sure is banker. <laughs> that, I'll be the host. I'm replacing Kyle Mandel, and I've decided to come up with nonsensical phrases. <laughs> that goofy sure is banker. <laughs> World I'm on top of. Going back to Kevin Garnett. <laughs> we'll get a celebrity edition. A celebrity edition <laughs> with Kevin Garnett. There. Uh, but yeah, no, it, that, that is on YouTube. By the way, the Kevin Garnett clip. I forget what you search to find it, but probably Kevin, Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett posts uh, finals interview. Michelle Tafoya, T A F O Y A. So, or uh, depends on who it's posted by, but like Kevin Garnett's it's on old ugly white lady might be the title. What was that voice, Drew? <laughs> I, I'm uh, I, I did not have a stick in it to stack, <laughs> but I'm gonna stick in the stack for that voice. What was that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that voice was. You could say it's the, um, if you want to be, um, 
I don't know, a record executive, you could call that the more urban Drew Steck voice. So, um, which is just a way of saying that that's Drew Steck trying to do a um, black man, a stereotypical black man's voice. The thing is, is, though, the way you had a tone, it sounded like it might be a female voice. A female? A female talking about, an urban female talking about uh, Kevin Garnett hitting on Michelle Tafoya? Apparently so. That's all she can say, though. I, I my. That's as far as my, my female um, African-American voice goes. But she'd be like, child, let me tell you something. That would be... Wait a minute. Later. I'm not here with Drew Steck. I'm here with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> and he's doing a promotional tour for Norbit. <laughs> Norbit 2. <laughs> directed DVD. Uh, I forgot about that. We, well, I, I forgot, forgot about that Eddie Murphy. you weren't on the show. I forgot about that. By you, I'm referring to a guy who wasn't here. Drew oh, Steck. It's alright, Rick. It's alright. They forgot about me. It's alright. Mm, don't you like the gap in my teeth? <laughs> I'm gonna do some ads for gap. Mm? I don't know. Eddie Murphy, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> never began to appear on the show. <laughs> never again. That's the last time. But uh, you can stick it to me about that. I'll be honest. <laughs> and I have. <laughs> some of my impressions I, I will, make absolutely no sense. I will stick it to stick as that was probably the two to three worst minutes of the show. <laughs> Ever in the history of the show. I was really hoping today we could put together a good show and put it out there, but that just really... And by put it out there, you mean put it online. Um, I think we're going to have to recall this show because of those two to three minutes. Yeah, this show will never never be put up. No. This show is not going on. Um, We might as well continue on with the program, though. As if it were. As if it were, just for validation on our own part. I just feel like we finish something and then we'll go on and record it. <laughs> this show, this show will live in infamy as the second lost episode. Second lost episode, <laughs> not even the lost episode. The second lost. Episode. <laughs> oh man, have you heard the second lost episode <laughs> of the Internet's Maximum Potential? It sounds like a crappy, like like in a sitcom where they're like, "Have you seen the lost episode of such and such?" And then they watch it, and it's like this like fun episode that everyone enjoys. So they try to like the once that writing staff is like left, and they bring in like a crappy writing staff to try and like recreate some of the moments of the show like later on in Friends I'd say Friends like season 7 like where they're just trying to recreate like have you seen the second lost episode of such and such well then they, they there's a second lost episode and it's, it's, in no way is it as good it's the idea of going back to the well with Fat Monica like Fat Monica is funny the first time you see her on, on Friends and yeah. then I think they did it like 2 or 3 more they times they did it like 8 more times and it was not funny the 6th time we, uh, Lee and I did make a joint purchase, actually, and we, we own, uh, you know, as a cooperative, collaborative process. We, the entire series of friends? We own the entire series of friends, yes. That's a good one. I'm, I'm into people buying entire series of show. Because it, it shows a you show. the... <laughs> <laughs> um, um, awesome show with, with... Tim and Eric. Tim and Eric. Tim and Eric. Awesome show. Great job. Um, no, I think, I think if you buy entire series of show... That uh, <laughs> you can. I don't know it's so hard. You can. Uh, I don't know. It shows your dedication to uh, to, to not program. buying prior DVD releases, holding out, holding out, and saying, you know what, I love show so much that uh, I'm gonna hold out and, and wait for it. I don't. Know, that's what I did with the OC. So, which is kind of like a guilty pleasure for me, but it's kind of something I had away in my closet. When people get to know me well enough, I pull it out. I'm like. You know what? It's time that we sit down and we have this talk. By the way, I'm a closet OC fanatic. It was a very well done show. I've seen an episode of it. 
Uh, Lee and I were in uh, preliminary discussions to watch the series because we watched like the pilot mm-hmm. the episode or two um, like three years ago uh, when we were hanging out with her friends yeah. Rachel and Heather and uh, we were in preliminary talks should we follow up on this and we just we never have and now when I've said hey would you be interested in watching the OC because it's nice having a, a program to watch together as a couple yeah 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 definitely it's just we both sort of like, nah, no. maybe not. And it's, well, I'll be honest, the first, like, first season of it is not my favorite season, actually. A lot of people love the first season. You don't say. A lot of people's favorite um, <clears throat> seasons are in order, one, two, three, four. Everybody feels like the show started out great and went sour. Yeah. But I feel like it's, I think the second season was a lot of drama, and the third season was just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> my favorite seasons would go, um... Maybe one, four, two, three, or four, one, two, three. But wait a minute, you're like, uh, everybody says that their favorite season is season number one, but my favorites would probably be season one, <laughs> season four, season two, season three. I just my you just got I just stuck in the stack right there. I, I'll admit that that was that was no not good. That was not good. It was very not good. So and neither is this bit. Neither is this bit. <laughs> With the voice. With the voice. The not good guy. He is, he is not good. I, I myself am not good. Um, anyway, to to finish this, finish him. We should just have Mortal Kombat lines in the background, but not finish him like other stuff. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, sorry to go on a brief Mortal Kombat <laughs> tangent. Uh, you know how in Mortal Kombat 2, they re- release different variations on fatalities, where yeah, like, yeah. you could turn them into babies. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like, infantality. <laughs> and uh, for some reason, when I was talking about this one time, I was like, hey, what if they turned it into animals and it would be called bestiality? <laughs> <laughs> and oh. that's, that's how funny I was. Oh, you were hilarious. What happened? I don't know. You were so funny. I don't know. I had, I had so much Mortal Kombat that was back when you. That's back when you were writing for Mike Myers, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean... You kind of go through working on the, the Sprockets movie, <laughs> and that didn't really pan out. <laughs> they should do a Sprockets movie. <laughs> they were going to. Were they? Yeah, they were going to, and he pulled out because he didn't think that the film would have integrity. And then he's gone on to release films which have no, no integrity. integrity. Like, the first Austin Powers movie is great. Well, he used to be just cutting the edge instead of cutting the cheese, and now he's... He wasn't cutting edge. He was cutting the edge. Man, Mike Myers, he would know what the edge was, and he would cut it. Because then you'd walk out later thinking that you knew the pre-established edge, but Mike Mike Myers Myers had cut the edge. He shaved more off. You would fall. You would fall, because he was so cutting (coughs) the edge. That's how I felt about that. Um, No, anyway, back to the O.C., I just feel like the end of the first season is, season is probably the best part of that show entirely. So, um, but yeah, and then and then season two is all right, and then kind of dabbles into bad territory. And season three is just like my least favorite part of the show is Marissa Cooper, the character uh, who's played by what's her name, Marissa or Misha Barton. Misha Barton. Um, I haven't even haven't even been a fan of the show for four years, like you have. But your uh, name. I don't like her. I block her out. I, I pretend like she doesn't exist. Because she's just not a... I don't She's She's like a model they chose to have be an actress. And she just is not very good at all. 
So she dies at the end of the third season, which is maybe my favorite episode. We don't. It's the, listen, Drew. The show is marked with if you the watch, tag explicit, if you watch, not with the tag spoiler. If you watch the show, Jesus. If you watch Fox anytime, like within like a year of the season three finale, you would know that Marissa died. It was like one of these four will die, and everyone's like, she's leaving the show. She's not coming back next season. She's most likely dying. So the fact that she was gone kind of kind of was better. Um, Drew, so season four might be. We're uh. Coming down towards the end of the this show, um, that happens every week. Would you be interested in recording another one? Right now, right now, right after this, I since this one's not going to air, I mean, we might as well just sit down and do it in a whole another hour. All right, listen, we're going to bring you back one of the segments, uh, all of the segments from last week uh, that were introduced. Sandwich of the week, Drew. Sandwich of the week. This week would be a chicken sandwich, a chicken bacon sandwich with chicken and bacon. And lettuce and uh, ciabatta roll. Um, I'm gonna go once again with the uh, Subway Parmesan chicken sandwich. Uh, it's holding uh, out two it's, weeks. It's out of print. <laughs> <laughs> they don't do it anymore. But I figure if I start this grassroots campaign, uh, they'll know that one man liked it. Then one man will become two men. Then two men will become four men. Four men will become eight. Eight will become sixteen. Sixteen will become thirty-two. 32 will become 64. 64 will become 128. 128 will become 256. 256 will become 512. 512 will become 1,024. 1,024 will be 200, 2,048. 2,048 will become 4,096. And so on. I was trying to see how long you could go. I was going to see how, how long you could add it up. I, well, I could have kept adding. I could have kept adding. I don't know. I should have done this for the goddamn North Carolina School of the Arts when they brought up my math skills. They would have been like, math skills. You know what? I'm going to start a grassroots math campaign. <laughs> I'm doing a math campaign, buddy. But, oh, wow. Wow. That but, was awesome. <laughs> I'm impressed. I really am. I thought you were going to top out at, at 512, but you just kept going. No, I don't stop. Wow. Uh, yeah, my uh, my grandpa, when I was younger, we were watching a program where a guy was going around doing that. Like, he was adding up numbers. Like, he, like he'd get, like, ten people from the audience, and they each would say a number, and he would add it up, like, as he went along. Oh, wow. And then he would multiply. He's like the stuff human like that. calculator? Yes, he was the human calculator. And my grandpa made said something to the lines of, hey, you know, one day you could be the human calculator. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I could? And so, like, for some reason, I, I got into the mind frame that, yeah, I can be the human calculator, and I am really sharp when it comes to addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. Last time, I tried to use all so four you're not, elements. So you're not the, you're not the human <laughs> scientific calculator, you're no. just the human regular no, calculator. No, when it comes to, uh, like, scientific things, <laughs> when it comes to angles, I don't know what an angle that's less than 90 degrees Yeah, is. you don't know the I, tangent. The, I think uh, it's an isotope, true. <laughs> Apparently. No, that sounds like a really crappy movie plot for, like, the human calculator who goes around fighting crime with his math skills. With numbers. <laughs> I think that's the plot for the show Numbers, numbers. actually. <laughs> Ironically. You were the one who wrote the report on it. You should know. It was, it was my homework. Um, also, YouTube video of the week, Drew. My YouTube video of the week is going to be the Kevin Garnett post-speech. Look for it. Michelle oh. Tafoya. Michelle Tafoya. It is good stuff. Um, you I'm stumble gonna, across anything? I'm going to have to say, the, the if you look for Ricky J, uh, R-I-C-K-Y space J, J-A-Y, 
Uh, he is an incredible illusionist and uh, does some of the most amazing tricks you'll ever see. Um, I've been a fan of his work. He works in all of David Mamet's movies. Yeah. Uh, I think Tom and I might have mentioned him on the show last yeah, week. Yeah, last week. Um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of him, and he has this off-Broadway show called David uh, called David Mamet. No, <laughs> called Ricky Jay and his 52 Assistants. It's a you know a card show. Yeah. And uh, he does it sporadically. He's done it over the past 10 years sort of randomly, and uh, I've wanted to see it. I'm going to be in Los Angeles uh, in the at, towards the end of August, one day... And the one day I'm there, I was. It turns out he's performing. Yeah, no so way. I am seeing Ricky Jay. I'm in row E. It's a theater of like 96 people, and uh, it's gonna be awesome. Well done, well, Ricky J. Like if he just is, he's so interested in what he's doing. Like he, when he tells stories, like he's so interested in what he's saying that you can't help but feel excited to watch. Yeah, him. definitely. Yeah, no, he's just incredible. Uh, album um, recommendation of the week. My too. album recommendation of the week is an album that's been out for about three years now, and they're about ready to release their second um, title, their second album, our second studio album. Um, is a band called Mute Math, um, whose original, through their self-titled debut, is Mute Math of the same name as the band, uh, Mute Space Math, and they just, I don't know, they push the push the envelope. Um, they don't just push the envelope; they are the envelope. <laughs> No. They they uh they push envelope. <laughs> As opposed, cutting edge is cutting the edge. Pushing the envelope is they're pushing envelope. <laughs> they're working as the mail associate. <laughs> they're still working in the mailroom. People forget to tell them that they've actually made a pretty successful <laughs> rock album. But um no, so they just do a lot of stuff with their music um in the studio. That's great, and then they recreate it a lot of it live, and just the best live show that I've ever seen. Um, and they also have a live album as well, but uh, before checking that out, I'd say check out their self-titled debut album, which is just awesome. So, um, My album recommendation is going to be the original uh, cast recording of the show The Drowsy Chaperone. Um, it's no longer on Broadway. I did get to see it uh, when I was made a tour stop in Chicago, and I also have an, a bootleg DVD of someone recording the New York production of it. Um, basically, the show is about this guy. He loves musicals, and he's in his apartment, and he decides to put on his favorite musical from the 1920s. And as the music, as he puts on the record, and the record is playing, he sort of describes what's going on, and uh, the show basically revolves around this musical coming to life in his apartment. Oh wow! It's a really fun show. Sounds a good time. And it's got it's very funny, very fun. Uh, Drew, your film recommendation of the week. Um, my film recommendation uh, would be Be Kind Rewind. I just watched it the other night. That's right. For the second time. And I just heavily enjoyed the film. I mean, it's just, it's one of those where you, you watch it and the characters and the situations just feel um, so tangible and so real. And uh, Michelle Gondry just does a great job of bringing these characters to, uh, to hit a real place that's also very fun and very entertaining to watch. And you just can't help but, you know, feel like you're a part of their story. So, um. I, uh, for my film, rec- I, I, did, I saw Be Kind Rewind. Yeah. It's a very enjoyable uh, film. Highly recommend it as well. I think for my uh, film recommendation, I am going to go with uh, the movie Matinee. Um, mm. Have you seen this? It's by Joe Dante. I've seen the, I've seen the like, trailers. So I've never seen Yeah, it basically it's about uh, during the cute... <laughs> <laughs> It's true, just passed. Yeah, uh, it's that Rocky Rococo's. That's it's the second order of breadsticks right there. I cut cheese. 
<laughs> um, basically, it takes place during the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, and uh, it's probably Joe Dante's best film. It's about a movie theater, uh, basically a Lawrence or a William Castle type character um, traveling around with his film and uh, screening it to a bunch of teenagers and people going nuts in the movie theaters. A lot of fun. Um, before we sign off, I want to give you a lot of credit, Drew. I want to take back my sticking it to Steck. Uh, you didn't have a notebook with you today for your recommendations. I, I wanted to have it. I really did, but I tried to keep them all up here. Right now I'm pointing to my head. <laughs> um, what if you were pointing to like your calf? <laughs> I wanted to keep them right, right in here. This is my, As you, I wanted to carve out a piece of my flesh and store a little sheet of paper with my recommendations written on them. Um, but, no, yeah, so. Eh. I kind of phoned in my YouTube one, because that was one that I, I, I know there's a, a tape out there, but I don't want to, I don't have the name in my head. You don't have the direct uh, URL link. I don't have the direct <laughs> URL. Memorized. Which, I, I just can't give anything less to, to the listeners, so. Um, a bunch of people on motorcycles just drive by. Uh, so you know what that means. But they're, they're, they're not like badass motorcyclists. <laughs> no. I want to go to my way here real quick and just say that they're just kind of like like your uncle as like a, as a motorcycle rider. Like none of them look like Hell's Angels or anything even close to that. I should say that all of my uncles are in gangs, <laughs> so I don't necessarily agree with your statement. But they're regular folk driving motorcycle in a pack. Some sort of uncle pack. <laughs> Alright, uh, I've been Rick Hatchke. I've been Drew Steck. And this has been the Motorcycle Gang on the, <laughs> the Internet's, Internet's Maximum, maximum potential. potential. Oh, they're dangerous. They got chains, I bet. <laughs> oh.